Welcome to the Moonshot Podcast, the podcast where we explore business growth, inspire innovative marketing strategies, and explore the world of company culture. Now here are your hosts, serial entrepreneurs and best-selling authors, James Philip Arbuckle and Kane Carpenter. So are you happy to have this book done? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How is it writing it for you? You know, we, if you think about the process of getting Moonshot, you know, which was originally a, another book we kind of spun into this book, we, we hurry up and got the three chapters done and pitched it to the book agents and whatnot. And then, you know, we got busy with work and life and then, you know, we had that little window and we're like, yeah, we got about 20 days. Let's go. <laughs> um, so, you know, you remember it's like you're getting emails at midnight and you're sending them back at two in the morning and to try to get 75, 80,000 words done in about 20 days. It's yeah. I was happy to be done with it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about your side? Yeah, I, I feel exactly the same. I, I, it feels nice to have done it. And I think uh, writing a book for me is one of those things. I didn't think I would ever do it. So I, I'm I'm really happy that we did it. Yeah, well, this is the fifth or sixth time I've done it. It's just going to be the first <laughs> one. <laughs> it's just the first one that's going on the shelf. Um, it's, you know, if you look back at the process, though, it, we have so much going on that we knew if we didn't get it done, basically, in that month, it was not going to get done. But looking back, I could see why people take a year or two to write a book. And, you know, we had all this information on the top of our heads. And it's things we do every day. We got, you know, two decades of consulting and business and entrepreneurship and finance and culture, HR. Like, yeah, it's, it, was a, it, was, it was a brain dump. And uh, it, it, so it wasn't extremely difficult, but looking back if we could just take a year next time that might be a little more fun <laughs> I, yeah that makes sense I, I do i am proud of the the insights that we've brought to the table here you're right this is stuff that we do every single day so this is you know this is the stuff that we know works so this it was you're right it wasn't that hard to actually put together once it, you kind of get going thinking about the things that work for clients and things every single day i mean i don't want to say it was easy but <laughs> Yeah, you know, you learn you when you're working with publishers and the process and the editing and all these things that go into creating a book. It's it's time consuming. It's kind of annoying, and uh, you, you know why they say you know plan if you want to publish a book, it's going to take you know twelve or eighteen months to wrap it up, edit it, do all this stuff, and then there's like PR, and it's not easy. But yeah. you know, it's it's doable. We we've proven you can do it in twenty For days sure. or less. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a so, bad rom com. Uh, we we're like that Christmas movie and Hallmark Channel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, they're gonna pump a new one out every year. But <sighs> you know, for the people tuning in, we're gonna do a series like this covering each chapter of Moonshot to give some other anecdotal and some additional stories and all those things that we couldn't fit into the 300 pages. It's, I mean, Kane, we did almost 80,000 words. If we had a year more, how much more do you think we could add to that? Oh, it would be an encyclopedia, wouldn't it? I mean, be chapter or, uh, what do you call those? 
like a book after book after book, like an encyclopedia. Yeah, and no one wants to read that, especially right. It's <laughs> right. We, we live in the Twitter world, man. I'm reading 140 characters at a time. That's you know we kept it reasonable, right? It's respectable business book size, and but now we can do this, and it can be perpetual content because business never stops. There'll always be a new issue for us to talk about, uh, a new business or um, strategy or model that we'll be able to dissect and talk about. So. This gives us the opportunity to add a whole bunch of stuff without having to sell someone an encyclopedia. I, I agree. It'll also give us the chance to explore <laughs> topics outside of what we explored in the book, right? Like things like current events and uh, what's the big news uh, business story of the, of the week. We, we'll be able to talk about this stuff on this on this platform too. Definitely not limited to the chapters in the book. And it just it made me think of my favorite, one of my favorite commercials at Adobe One where they're printing encyclopedias like crazy. It was a Super Bowl commercial. And then the encyclopedia CEO is like, we're back. And it's it's just a kid on an iPad who keeps, <laughs> yeah. keeps, keeps hitting order, order, order. order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, let's, uh, let's jump into chapter one. All right. Chapter one in Moonshot <laughs> is on employer branding deception. Uh, why don't you run us through the main idea here, James? You know, I look back at I'm thinking of what I even wrote for that one. I think I talked about uh, the catfishing aspect of how companies will paint a picture of what it's like to work here. And it's always, you know, people at the ping pong table and they're at the kegerator and they got the nap pods, you know, like the big tech companies and stuff. And you start thinking like, wow, this must be an amazing place to work. It's, uh, it's like Dave and Buster's, <laughs> but a yeah. job. And, uh, you know, you get there and, you know, one of, one of two things happens, right? You get there and it really is, you just play all day and you don't get any work done and then you get, you get fired. <laughs> um, or you get there and you realize, no, it's actually a hell of a lot of work and it's nothing like the photos. And it's why, why not just be kind of straightforward and say it is work hard, play hard. Yes, we we have the kegerator and the ping pong table. But that's for when we actually get our work done, right? And I'm sure you've seen some cases where companies have, you know, branded themselves a certain way to attract somebody. I can't have if, if I'm a, a single dude and I'm, you know, acting like I'm wealthy and then I, I get a date and then she finds out I'm broke, how's that go? <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> so it's, there needs to be more honesty, I guess, in the employer branding side for some of these companies. And look, some of the big tech companies can get away with this stuff. And it is true. It's like, yeah, come nap in the nap pod, right? But there's probably 95% of other companies in the country just don't have that luxury of saying, hey, go take a nap whenever you want. It's not like it's not realistic if you're working in manufacturing or a warehouse or in hospitality, right? There, there is no nap pod for the front desk person at Marriott. So, yeah, can companies? I mean, you you have some examples of that. Sure. I mean, we work with with clients on on stuff like this all the time. You know, making sure that their messaging aligns with what they actually are as an employer. Uh, but I, I mean. 
I'll throw this out there and you correct me if I'm wrong, James, but I think COVID or, or that period uh, that triggered the labor shortage and the labor shortage, of course, was uh, something that was, was pre, pre-pandemic, was a trend that was pre-pandemic. But when we saw that, you know, companies couldn't find talent, I think the natural thing would be to start to get a little bit desperate. And if, you, you know, you know, demand is up, everybody's got all this money from the stimulus. How do we how do we make sure that we're servicing our clients and and the natural tendency I think is to then say okay well we're just going to say almost whatever whatever it's going to take to get people through the door without thinking of the of the long term consequence of doing that and um you know I, I don't want to pick on an industry but I know as a consultant myself the management consulting industry did that right we we talk about this often James but the idea that you know Fred is is in Portugal on a Thursday afternoon. And that's the only thing that that uh, a big consulting firm is showcasing on their social media. Well, that's not exactly true to what the experience probably is ninety eight percent of the time working there. Right? It's eighty hour weeks. It's uh, you know taking a call at eleven p.m. because you've got a client in Asia. It, the it there's nothing wrong with being true to or authentic to your point uh, to who you are as a company uh, because I'm you know every company I think has attributes that are attractive to to a certain cohort of workers and it's just about tapping into those so uh that's at least my perspective on the topic i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna change my name to fred because i want to be in portugal (laughs) (laughs) on a thursday afternoon um but that's you know we you know it's uh hey here's here's april and johnny on the beach at 9 a.m on a thursday with their with their child and again they're they're painting this picture of work-life balance and it's. I think most people that got to a certain level in life realize that there is no perfect work-life balance where you get exactly what you want every day. Every day is a give and take. But they're really painting a picture of taking all the time. And, and well, then you get there and you realize, well, it's not really realistic for me to be on the beach at 9 o'clock on a Thursday. I have a client call. Or I'm going to be on site at a client, for example. And that's not saying they don't have work from home days. But we also, we talk about the, the monolithic marketing aspect where everything that's outward facing isn't just for, um, an employer branding site, it's not just for your people, but your clients are seeing that. So when I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, well, if if April and Johnny's on the beach at nine o'clock in the morning, who's working on my account? (laughs) Yeah. And that's something I've experienced since COVID. It's if you're calling people, trying to get someone to answer the the damn phone is nearly impossible. If you leave a voicemail or email, they don't call you back until the next day. And that whole customer service experience is pretty poor. And uh, it's like, Things are either going to change or there's going to be certain companies who get back to business and they're going to win. Because at some point, I'm not waiting. And, you know, what are consultants charging these days? Five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks an hour? Look, if I'm paying you guys these like massive retainers every month, you better return my goddamn call back relatively quickly, right? <laughs> yeah. So there, yeah. There, is a, there is a cost with this image they're selling. So whether they live it or not, you know, how sustainable is that? Maybe it is for these companies that are like $20 billion. But I think this podcast is also for, and the book, 
is for, you know, everyone who doesn't have a hundred billion dollars of liquid cash in the bank <laughs> that, um, you know, it's easy. Google, I don't remember. I think Google used to say you could take 20% of your week to work on something else. Right. I don't know if you re remember that. Um, yeah, I, I do. Yeah. I could be screwing that up. It may not be Google. It might not be 20%, but there is somebody in the tech world out there who had just, you know, metric tons of cash sitting in the trunks and they would say something like, Hey, you could take 20% to work on different ideas and projects or whatever. And obviously I'm ad living here, but Kane, who, who has that luxury? <laughs> the let their employees take 20% of their time to do things that, and 98% of companies don't have that luxury. 99% of companies don't have that luxury. Um, but, you know, we look at that stuff and go, hey, maybe we should model our environment after that. I'm like, what you need to do is model yourself after a company that's got $100 billion in cash. <laughs> in terms of the cash, right? Like, get yeah, the yeah. How about you get the money in the bank? Um, otherwise, how do you really afford to lose like 20% of your productivity, for example? No, no, um, I, absolutely right. We did the napkin math once, right? I think someone like Apple has enough free cash on hand to to cover their operations for five, six years without selling another thing. Right? And for most companies in the world, that's just not feasible. It's just, it's just not real. And I think that's why I enjoyed writing this book is to give people or readers the just this perspective on, you know, let's your, to your point, James. Let's not hold our benchmark as the biggest tech firms in the world. When we're 50, 100, 200, 500 people, uh, you know, let's do real things that have an actual tangible effect on, on our culture and our employer brand and attract the right workers to our, to our company to do great work every single day and not have this kind of far-fetched benchmark. It's just not feasible. It's just not real. Yeah, it's, it's real for somebody, just not most people. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, that's good. Uh, I, I, I do believe it's still okay to say look, we work hard here. This is going to be a, you're going to work 40 hours. There's no bench time. And there's an old study out there that says the average American worker only has about 23 hours of real work to do. But you know, the way things are set up, we pay for 40 hours, you get benefits. And that's kind of how we are set up culturally. As far as like real productive work, it's about 23 hours on average. Salespeople though, for example, tend to fill their full 40 hours up because it's a metric driven kind of job where you're banging phones all day. Well, you got, that's 40 hours of work, but for everything else, it's why can't you just say this is, you're going to work 40 hours of real work. And some weeks might be 45, 48 hours. This is the place people come to, to learn a lot, get mentored, to build a career, to make a name for yourself. And that's the type of people you're trying to attract, I hope, right, Kane? Hopefully, yeah. Versus, hey, it's it's beer, kegerator, ping pong, nap pod, beach on Thursday, Portugal on Tuesday. Um, if you're going to sell someone on the concepts of everything but work, well, don't get mad when they come in and don't work. They're doing exactly what you sold them on. And you're also attracting the people who are more interested in doing everything but work. And then we're like, why aren't you working? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's imagine if we had these honest conversations, like this is the environment, this is our culture. This is where we're trying to go. 
These are the type of people we want to be on our team. And if that's not you, that's okay. But this is who we're looking for. And somewhere along the lines, if, if that is your who you are culturally, you're going to be better off attracting the people that want to come, put in 40, 45 hours that are trying to build a name. That's probably going to lower your turnover and just make your culture better all the way around. Agreed. Well, really well said. Really well said. And the beauty of that too is that let's say you don't attract the people that are ideal to that to that work culture that you've developed, you've at least set the expectations clear up front such that you can have better conversations on the on the backside. So uh, really well said, too. Well, I hope I say it is good in chapter two, too, right? <laughs> so yeah. um, you do, you do. The next chapter is on gang mentality, which is a really interesting topic. You know, I feel like that was probably a topic I came up with. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, who would write a chapter about gang mentality? Oh, James. Um, so, well, we'll close this one out and look forward to having you guys on chapter two. 